Welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Selinski, aka the Running Wine Mom. Today, I am thrilled to have my own mother join us for a special episode. As a devoted runner and fitness enthusiast, she has always made health a priority in her life, even during her years as a stay-at-home mom. In fact, she's tackled some incredible physical feats, including hiking the Inca Trail and exploring the ancient ruins of Machu Picchu. Today, we'll dive into her journey as a mother, wife, and active woman and gain valuable insights on how she balances fitness and motherhood. So let's get moving with my incredible mom and hear what she has to say about staying healthy, strong, and motivated at any age. Welcome, Mom. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're on. As I start off with all of my guests, what is your wine of the week? I love the wine 2112. That's my favorite. And how did you find out about that wine? So we have a Pollyanna every year with Dad's side of the family and Uncle Jay, who is my brother-in-law, had me the one year. So he knows how much I like wine, and he bought me two bottles of this 2112, which I just fell in love with. (laughs) And it's a Cabernet, right? Yes. 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 So then after that, every year for Pollyanna, I hoped that he would get me, but (laughs) he doesn't always have me. So now we're going to move on to what is your wine and win of the week? Okay, my wine of the week is my favorite run of the year is the hot chocolate run in Philly, and it's a 15K. So this year, I get there, I'm all ready, park the car, check in, and it starts thundering. Oh, jeez. So I was kind of upset because they had to put it on hold. Then after a half hour, they decided to do the 5K, but they said if we wanted to do a longer run, then that was up to us. So I feel like my win of the week was, even though... It rained and thundered, and they only had me doing a 5K. I was able to explore a little bit of the city running in the rain, so I did my 15K. Good. So you did the 5K loop three times, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, definitely a win for many people, and especially for anyone over the age of 60, which is what you are over 60, and we're going to talk about how fitness has been such a staple in your life and how at any age there's no no worries in what you have to do or don't do but just being fit and training for different things you train for a lot of runs in the spring which is always nice to see and watch so that's awesome congratulations so what are a few struggles that you have overcome leading to where you are now well the first thing is confidence i never really had a lot of confidence and the older i get and the more people find out what I'm doing, I feel like it's given me so much confidence hearing the positive opinions of my friends, my family, even people I don't really know that well. It just makes me feel good and I feel like it has built my confidence up over the years. That's so true. And I remember when you said after dad came on, you said how many people came up to you and asked when you were going to be on next. And you were like, well, I'm just a lunch lady. And it's not just you, but a lot of the people that I asked to be on, they're like, well, what would I talk about? I don't, I, I'm not really that's, there's nothing special about what I do, but it, that's been one of the most rewarding things is to show people and tell people that there's so much more than what maybe they think of themselves and help their confidence. 
Well, that, I mean, that was really true. That week after dad was on, I was amazed at the people that approached me. And like I said, like Samantha said, I, I'm a lunch lady and, but there's other aspects of my life that I'm very proud of now. Is there anything, any other struggles that you can think of that you've had to? I feel like my attitude, the older I get, the more positive it is. Yeah, I definitely feel like a lot of people say that, that your outlook changes. You, you focus on things less and you yeah. don't get as upset of as certain things. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are three things that you're most proud of in your life? Okay, three things I'm, I'm most proud of is, of course, my three children, how successful they are, my fitness routine, and uh, my faith, my faith with the Blessed Mother. I'm very connected to her. So I feel like those, those are my three strong points That's in awesome. my life right now. They're all very important and good for, you know, everyone to have those things as a nice base for what your values and morals are too. So that's awesome. All right. We are going to get into the fitness aspect of the podcast. And if you know my mom, you know that even though she's 64, she has a body better than most 20 something year olds and she can run longer than most people ever maybe can or have in their life. And um, one of my favorite stories was that when I was running the New York City Marathon, I had two entries to it and I called my mom up and I was like, you know, you're the first person I thought of. Do you want to run the marathon with me? And you're like, let me just think about it and I'll get back to you. And you called me the next day and you're like, well, I went out and ran 14 miles and I just don't think that that 26 would be good for me. And I was just laughing because typically most people, A, can't run 14 miles, and B, to sit there and just go try 14 miles on a random day is even more funny. I do remember you asking me that. Um, So what is your favorite way to stay active? Well, of course, running is my most favorite way. I love to go out and run when I'm done work. I like to put my headphones on and we live by the Delaware River. So that to me is my favorite place to run. It's so beautiful, so peaceful. So running is definitely my favorite way to keep in shape. And how do you stay motivated to maintain your own fitness routine through the years? So I feel like it's mental. It's a mental thought that I'm like, Sometimes I'll come home from work and I'll be so tired because I don't sit all day at my job. I'm, you know, running around, but I'm like, nope, Lord, you got to get out there. It's easy just to sit there and go read a book or look on my computer or, you know, dust the house. But I just force myself to do it. And then once I get out there, it's like, I'm so happy. I'm just like... (laughs) especially on a sunny, beautiful day. And by the water, it's even better. Yeah. What struggles do you think that you've faced in staying healthy and fit? Like I just said, maybe when I come home from work and I'm kind of wiped out from working, but I just get out there and do it. I just force myself because I know once I do, I'm going to feel good about myself. Uh, Is there anything that you wish you learned earlier in life about fitness and nutritional health? When I was in high school, I felt like it just mattered to be skinny. 
Mm-hmm. Didn't matter how you got skinny. It. I just felt like it wasn't so much how your heart was doing or it was just being skinny. So, but it's not about just being skinny. It's about staying in shape, getting out there and moving around, not just sitting there. But I feel like back then it was just about being skinny and it's not like that. It's being healthy. And if I put on a few pounds, oh, well, at least I'm running and I'm eating right and I'm doing the right things for myself. Yeah, I definitely think that's changed over the last like 10 to 15 years. It's been more of a, everyone should just be working out to feel good rather than to look good, essentially. Absolutely. Can you talk about the relationship between mental health and physical fitness? Mentally, getting out there and exercising makes me ready to start the day, end the day. Um, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the specifics of your fitness. So you said that running is your favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start off with what inspired you to start running and like what motivates you to continue running long distances in your 60s. So when I was in high school, I always liked to be involved. I liked to be on student council, extracurricular activities. I was in the band and I swam, but I wanted to do more. So a couple of my girlfriends and I decided to go out for the track team when I was a sophomore in high school. And it just escalated from there. I did the two mile in the track. I didn't want to do any sprinting because I'm just all new to this. So I decided to go with the two mile. And then I was able to do cross country also because that was a two mile course also. And... I just never really stopped. I shouldn't say I never really stopped because there was times in my life where I just couldn't do it all the time. But I've just had a love for it and it just... Has stuck with you mm -hmm. through your life. What are some of your most memorable races or running events that you've participated in through your running career? My favorite runs that I've ever done is when I ran with my children. Samantha and I, we've ran how many half marathons? A lot. Yeah, we've done the Broad Street. I don't know any mother and daughter who has done that. I'm sure they're out there, but I just don't, I I don't know about them. Then Allie and and Samantha and Robbie, a couple years, we all did the Broad Street together. Yeah, we all did it. We all did it. And it was, that just made me so happy that we were all together doing it. And you beat us all. (laughs) I don't remember what I, I don't, uh, but anyway, um, and then, you know, Allie and you and I, we do that 5k run, the wine run every year. Mm -hmm. So I would say they're my favorite times when I was able to run with you, you kids. And that's really what the whole, that's what it's all about is making it a community. And the whole thing of running is passing on the loving of running. And that's, something that shows for us to get into it. We we got into running because you run a lot and doing the races is fun. And then we even got to do the Thanksgiving morning run, oh, yeah, 5K, we did that. Yeah. and I pushed the kids. So technically you ran with your grandkids too. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That was the first time I ever did the Thanksgiving one, and that was, that was a fun one too. Yeah, I liked that. 
Have you ever encountered any obstacles or setbacks while running? And if so, how did you overcome them? I don't think I've ever encountered any any obstacles except after I had each one of you, especially after I had you because I had a C-section, so I had to wait longer. And then sometimes you never knew what time dad was going to come home. So as you know how I am, I like to be organized and know what I'm doing throughout the day. And if he says he's going to be home at 5 and I'm going to plan on running like 5 or 5.30 and then he's not home, I kind of get bummed out. But I can't blame that on him because that's his job. Yeah, that's definitely frustrating when your plan gets a wrench thrown in it. Yeah. Especially with exercises. I feel like there's, and as a parent, there's such a limited window that you can do it. And then kind of when that window is gone, it's like, well, I guess I'm not going to be doing it for the day. And that doesn't make me happy when I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give someone who's interested in taking up long distance running later in life? I would tell them to start off slow. Maybe if you have a mile course, run a little bit, then walk a little bit, run a little bit, walk a little bit. And then until you build your, um, stamina up to run the whole mile and then just take it from there yeah I think that's great advice and not being afraid to do running and walking in a combo is something I think people go with like the all or nothing but that a distance is a distance you can walk five miles or you can run five miles and you're still going five miles it's just going to take you longer um how do you balance your running routine with other responsibilities and commitments Well, I, you know, first of all, I have to go to work. So I I do my work. And then sometimes I'll come home and I'll I'll put a load of washing or, you know, I have to start getting dinner ready. And if I have to leave the house a little messy, then so be it. It's more important for me to get out and run and feel good and have peace of mind. Have you ever experienced burnout or fatigue from running? I don't. I, I haven't. And I've feel like it's because so right now I'm running until the broad street and after the broad street I start a whole different exercise routine I ride bikes I hike um, walk until September and then when September comes I start running again just like we when we hiked the Inca Trail I concentrated so much on training for that So I feel like I'm using different muscles and I'm not just running 12 months out of the year. Yeah, it's definitely good to give your body a break and kind of running seasonally. That's what I kind of find the spring and the fall are my running times. And then I lift more in the winter and then the summer. It's just kind of a toss up depending on the weather. I mean, I do like to run in the mornings if it's really early, but sometimes it's too hot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like running in the heat. So what are your goals for run- your running career going forward? How old do you plan to keep running till? What is your long-term goal if you have one? Or I want to keep running as long as I possibly can. I just want to keep doing it. I don't have any specific age that I want to stop at. I hope I never have to stop, but I would just want to keep going. You'll be the 90-year-old crossing the finish line. I hope so. I, yeah. <laughs> you, if anybody is, that will be you for I hope sure. so. So you mentioned earlier that you kind of go through phases of and seasons of running, and there's a lot of other aspects of general fitness that you do. You lift weights, you hike, you bike, as you said. 
What do you think inspired you to get involved in all the other activities outside of running? Well, I would talk to different people. I have a friend, my friend Linda. She is the one who inspired me to start hiking. I don't have too many friends that are as active as I am. And her and I were friends, but through hiking, we have become, she's probably one of my best and dearest friends. We would, we, the two of us would just go hiking and she would pick a place to go. She was always good at that. She always, and we would go hike, the two of us. And then all of a sudden, dad was talking about hiking to Everest. So we started including him in there. And then we would go with him all the time. So helping him out and, you know, listening to her, I feel like it motivated me more to do something different other than running. And I'm telling you, there are the most beautiful places in Pennsylvania and New Jersey to hike. Yeah, I, I find that even, I think um, in COVID, I found so many new hiking paths and trails that I never knew existed in just right in our own backyard. Yeah. And it's really nice that we are able to, because you think of the West Coast as more of a hiking or, you know, in the, if you go up north to Acadia or south to the Smokies or even Shenandoah, they're you don't think of our area as a big hiking, but there's so many. Oh I mean, you guys have hiked at some really nice places. Beautiful, beautiful. Between Dad and Linda and I and Dad's friend Greg, we've done some trail challenges, which were so hard. Yeah. But I felt like because I was in such good shape that I was able to do it. It was very, it was such a good feeling when I was done it. That's always the best part of it when you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How has your fitness routine evolved over the years? So when I first started running, I would just go out and run. I would just find a couple routes and I would take turns doing the different routes running. And then you and I were talking one time about the Broad Street Run. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be 50. So I said, that is one of my goals is to run the broad street and not come in last. <laughs> I do remember that too. And I also had never really done a large group run, like a large long organized, distance organized yeah. run. Um, and I remember you saying like, I just don't want to come in last. That's my goal is to not come in last. And then you get to the broad street run and there's, I mean, I don't even know tens of thousands of people oh that God. do it. Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously someone that comes in last, but if you are training and doing any sort of running in it, I feel as though you're probably not going to be that person. Right. So it was just kind of funny that you're like, I just don't want to come in last. And so you didn't, which was right. good. But since then, I am always looking for organized runs to do. So it kind of is like something for me to train for. Like I had um, the Philly, the first one that I did this year was the Phillies 5K. And then the hot chocolate run last last week. Um, so throughout the year, I look for certain runs. And I feel like almost I do the same ones all the time. Except this past year, I did that Thanksgiving one, which I really like too. Yeah, that's good. We, and we do. We have so many good runs between Philly and Bucks County and South Jersey and the Shore even. There's so many good runs. Also, you um, not only with running, you did a triathlon as well. I did my my friend Kim and Kristen, which they're over 10 years younger than me. And that's the kind of people I have to find now because nobody my age will do it. 
we trained up at the pool and did our swimming. And then, you know, outside of that, we would run and bike. But yeah, I did. That was one thing that I always wanted to do, but I wanted to do it in a pool. I didn't want to do it in an ocean or a lake. So we found this pool in Cherry Hill that was doing it. So we did the, the um, swim first, then the bike, and then the run. And I was so excited, so, so excited that I did that. That Yeah, tri- I did the um, two years in a row, I did the Escape the Cape triathlon, which was really cool. That was one of my own personal goal achievements to do because it's one of the like most sought out triathlons in the in the country really and the reason why is because you jump off the cape may ferry yeah. into the bay and yeah, then you we do came your and watched you. yeah yeah so that was um that was such a good experience and i do like the triathlon because it gives you a little bit of everything and the enjoyment of training it's not just specifically running or not just specifically biking which is cool so an- another thing that i just want to throw out there is you know we were always involved in the swim team during the summer at Riverdale. And it was kind of cool that Allie and I swam in a swim meet together. It was the master's meet. So if you were 19 or over, you swam in it. So it was kind of cool that I got to swim in a swim meet with her. I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Um, That's awesome. In addition to your fitness, how do you prioritize your nutrition and recovery to support your, your goals? Well, over the years, I've read about what you should eat before you do an intense run or any kind of race. So I feel like it's almost like the week before I watch everything I eat. And then afterwards, um, I don't really have a routine afterwards. You know, I'm usually really hungry when I'm done. So I feel like, like especially if dad's with me. We'll go out to breakfast, have some eggs, but um, it's more the week before that I concentrate on what I'm eating. That is my favorite thing to do after a long run is do like a brunch and mimosas or some sort of cocktail to kind of yeah. <laughs> top it off. Um, I know after we did the Philly half marathon or the love run, either one of whatever one one where it was pouring down rain. And then we went to McCrossin's (laughs) afterwards and we had a change in the bathrooms. We were soaked. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about in regards to your fitness is that this past summer, you and dad and a group of friends went to Peru and you hiked the Inca Trail and Machu Picchu. And why don't you tell us about that experience? So when, you know, dad did the um, Mount Everest, which was amazing. And like I said, my friend Linda and my friend Fatima would go with us once. In, well, pretty much all the time when he would do um, hiking. So I was like, I know I could do this, but I didn't want to do that hike. So we started talking about this, um, the Inca Trail. But the thing I was worried about, which I knew physically I definitely could do it, but I was was worried about the altitude. So Dad and I went out to Colorado for three days, and three days in a row we hiked high altitude, and I was absolutely fine. So I'm like, okay, I'm (laughs) going to sign up for this. Um, So we would at least go on, in the beginning we would do at least one big hike a week, But then we also would go to the bleachers and just go up and down, up and down with a 20-pound backpack on. Wow. 
So I was just, I just kept telling myself, Lori, there's no backing out. You're going to do this. You're going to keep training. You're not going to, you know, I'm you're just going to train hard. And I did. I trained. It was probably one of the best shapes I was ever in in my life. Wow. Yeah. Um, carrying the backpack, going up and down. And then sometimes there was four of us girls on Mondays. We would meet up at Crystal Lake and just go around and around and around just to keep ourselves going. And so was the training worth it? I had no problem at all. (laughs) That's good. I had no problem. And most of our group did exceptionally well. We did awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, What was it like to explore Machu Picchu after completing the hike? And how was the Inca Trail experience? The Inca Trail, like, we slept in tents. We had somebody making all our food. I didn't know how I was going to do it. You know, here I am, 64 years old, 63 years old. I'm going to be sleeping in a sleeping bag on the (laughs) ground in a tent. And it was pretty neat. Like I did, I mean, I was amazed how wonderful it was getting up in the morning out of your tent. They served us tea in the morning. It was unbelievable. And then to finish it, we toured Machu Picchu, which was just, you you can't even describe what it was like. How beautiful it was, I'm sure. So is there any sports or activity that you haven't tried yet that you want to add into your fitness routine? I have been talking about pickleball. I know a lot of seniors do that. Um, Their courts are coming up everywhere. Yeah. So I think I would like to try that next. That's awesome. So to just kind of wrap up the general fitness theme that we've been talking about, what's the best piece of advice you would give someone in regards to lifelong fitness? First of all, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can do something. You can get up there, outside, walk, ride your bike. You can be active. Don't sit home. It's just a waste of your life. I, I, I feel like that's the biggest piece of advice I could give you. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, being a health and phys ed teacher, we want to promote lifelong fitness of continuing to do stuff into the your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, but the statistics are that just, I mean, sitting is basically just as bad as smoking is what they found for your heart. So mm. moving your body is just so important. And the more you sit, the more your muscles deteriorate. And especially as you get older and especially as a female with our like estrogen levels lowering, um, it's really important for us to stay healthy and keep our muscle mass. So let's move forward to motherhood. Um, You are the one that as a mom myself, I have to model after and you are mom of three kids, um, grandma, Mimi, to four. Let's just start off. Uh, you were a stay-at-home mom. Dad traveled a lot for work. And so you were the face of our parents for most of the majority of the time until dad was home, you know, on the weekends. And I guess after having kids, I definitely have a different perspective of, A, what being a stay-at-home mom even consists of, and B, like, how difficult it probably was 
dealing and with our schedules and balancing everything and finding rides for us and getting to all our sporting events. Um, as a stay-at-home mom, like that being your main job and not being able to technically leave your job, which is what is one of the probably most difficult <laughs> things about being a stay-at-home mom. Let's start off with a positive and say what was your favorite thing about being a stay-at-home mom? My favorite thing was being with you kids. It's not that it was my lifelong dream to be a mom, but I remember when I had you, I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to leave her. It was just a feeling that I never felt before. You know, I've loved my mom and my dad and my sisters and brother, my husband, but this was a different kind of love. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to leave this baby? So you and tried to go back to work, right? I did go back to work for about six months full time. And I didn't have the type of job that it was more than 40 hours a week. So I did it. And then I wound up. So dad said, if you can get a part time job, then, you know, so I wound up getting a job at Riverton Country Club. Okay. So I did, I worked like 20 hours there and then I would babysit. I babysat a little boy and which was great because you had a playmate and um, so I was able to stay with you and then babysit, make some extra money. And then after I had Allie, I bartended a couple, a couple nights a week. Um, so I always tried to have some kind of income, even though it wasn't like a whole lot. It was just some kind of, I felt good that I was contributing and I was home with you kids. Like I didn't want to have to leave you with a babysitter you, you, you kids were my pride and joy that once I had Robbie, it was impossible because you and Allie were involved in so much and to carry this baby around all the time, it just, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't feasible fair. for you to yeah. work. But I loved it. Um, you know, of course there were days where I was like, oh man, you know, have a little breakdown here and there. I'm not saying everything was perfect all the time, but I felt like. I did a good job at it most of the time. And I think a lot of it was how organized I am. Like I would make sure your clothes were out the night before. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to wear. If you want to change it, do that now because we're not going to do it in the morning. I would have your lunches packed at night. I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was home with the kids, I felt as though, like, this is what I would love to do. But then when I went back to work, I realized that working and being a mom combo is what is for me and my mental health and just, like, having the balance of it all. Um, But I think it's, you know, great. You know, I remember you working, I think, what, Sunday nights you would bartend? Yeah. 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 And then that was like, dad was in charge that night. (laughs) Yeah, he would have to get you ready and all. Um, But I feel like when I had you kids, most of the moms stayed home. Mm -hmm. Like, I had an unbelievable core group of friends that some of them, their husbands traveled. So do you remember, like, we'd go to Doreen's or the Lebrano's because their dads traveled too, so us moms would sit and chit-chat, and you kids would play. So it was kind of like... Yeah, I and I find that with Mark's job, you know, being so kind of scattered all over the place, I'm definitely more attracted to friends that their husband's schedules are also kind of crazy uh-huh. because I think they understand it. Like, it's not a typical 9 to 5. Right. Like, 
one of my closest friends now um, that we've become over the last few years, Brittany, her husband is away for like three months out of the year. And it's like, we both understand that if our husbands are around, like it's fine, we'll be with them. But when they're away, it's just nice to have that female companionship or if they're working and like, we don't always have to bring our husbands out with us either. It's the thing we have fun without doing that. Friends are definitely a big, important part of, I feel like they, girlfriends should, it's just wonderful. I have so many great friends. And as the years go on, you realize who your best friends are. Um, it's sanity wise. It's just, you know, sometimes you just need to vent to somebody. Your girlfriends are there and yeah, it's, I have some wonderful. uh, Yeah. And you've had, it was, I mean, you have like the old school friends of me and Allie and then the new school friends of Robbie because Robbie's 10 years younger than me and not like nine years younger than Allie, um, or 11, I guess, younger than me. Um, and then, so you had that whole other crew that you became friends with and you're still friends with so many of them. And that's, that was really neat. Well, I feel like that kept me younger, dad and I younger having uh, friends through Robbie because they were at least 10 years younger than us. Yeah. And I felt like I acted just like them and they definitely kept (laughs) us young. (laughs) So what were some of the biggest challenges you faced as a stay-at-home mom, and especially with dad traveling so frequently? The one thing that I always dreaded was putting you kids to bed. (laughs) One person putting three kids to bed. Now, at the point when Robbie came along, you were old enough that, you know, you could get yourself ready and all that, but I still felt in my heart... I wanted to talk to you before you went to bed. I wanted to talk to Allie, even if it was only like five or 10 minutes. Um, and I felt like I couldn't do that all the time because I was divide. one person was divided between three. And Robbie really didn't sleep in the beginning, so. That was one of the things that I was most nervous about having a second child was how am I gonna do double bedtime? And the beginning was really, really hard. I would just put Parker in his crib and he would just have to cry for like 10 minutes and while I put Willow to bed and then I would, you know, deal with him second. And I am lucky Willow is, as you just saw after putting her to bed, she's very routine and she, both of my kids are very routine and go right to bed and then they're in bed for the rest of the night. Um, but now... It's nice because Willow, I can leave her downstairs to watch a movie while I'm putting Parker to bed and then I'll come down and she'll ask me to cuddle and then yeah. we go up and do her routine too, which is nice. Yeah, that was my biggest thing. I, when you say goodnight, you just want to make it special. Mm-hmm. So what were some additional strategies or routines that helped you to stay organized and to manage your time efficiently and effectively? Well, because I was so organized, I felt like I could do things because I was so organized. I mean, if I wasn't, I don't know how people do it that aren't organized. I don't know how, like, like I, I would, I write everything down and I see you do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I write lists. I write everything lists. in my work. I have everything written down and as I do it during the day, I circle it. I have my calendar on my phone and I have a book at home that I write every little thing down and then... Either as I do it, I circle it, or before I go to bed, I check it all off. 
And if there's something I didn't do, then that's my number one thing I have to do the next day. Yeah, it's funny because actually this morning we were in my office at work and there was an email that like tomorrow the gym is being used for a career fair and the two other girls were like, what do you, why, where are we supposed to go? What are, they're asking all these questions and I like just chime in. I'm like, oh yeah, they sent an email about that like last week and Steph like looked at me and she's like, well, it's not on your calendar. So how was I supposed to know that it was happening? (laughs) And it was obviously in totally a joke because I hadn't written, written it on my calendar. And she's like, that's how I know what's basically happening because you literally, I know what you're doing after school. I know you're going to go get sushi tonight. I know you're going to go like, you know, to the gym this day because I write everything down in it. So I definitely get that from you. Oh yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't understand how people don't do that. Um, did you ever feel isolated or lonely as a result of being home with us so much? I, I never really did. If I did, it might've been once in a blue moon, but I feel like my friends, I had my friends. Like, do you remember when you kids were growing up? Yeah. We always would try, we'd go to the please touch museum or we'd go to, um, a park for the day. I felt like I kept you busy um, uh, Kathy Collins was, I mean, yeah, every day we would try to figure out what we're going to do with you girls. And, um, so I feel like having my friends there, my friends were around. So, and if I, I, I didn't mind once in a while staying in the house, you know, enjoying my house. Um, you know, yeah, that's also something that obviously I get when it's everybody's always like, how are you going all of these places with your kids? Like you're always out and about and you're always here and there and taking them to this and that. And uh, I'm like, I don't really know any differently. I thought that's what you're supposed to do with your kids. I That's how we grew up was just never really being, not that we weren't ever in the house, but there really were very little, there was very little like, rest days essentially yeah. where like we didn't have plans so how did you and dad work together to maintain a strong relationship and communication like with your schedules being so crazy and you being in charge of us and how did that work with you guys so I think with dad and I we both wanted the same thing for you kids it you the, the three is were the most important thing in our life so we wanted to do, we were definitely on the same page that way. We, if you wanted to be on a basketball team that went here and there, we would make it work. Um, like with the swimming, you know, with Allie, with the swimming, we wanted to make it work. So I feel like we would both kind of, I, I don't know, just work together. Yeah. Whatever was best for you kids we dealt with it. And the three is where the most important things in our life. Yeah. And that was definitely something I feel as though like subconsciously made me scared to become a parent because I did see how much you guys did for us and sacrificed for us. And I just like, didn't know if I would ever be able to do that as someone without kids. You think like, well, I don't want to do I don't want my life to be over once I have kids not that your life was over but like just from what we saw all the things that you did and drove us everywhere and you were always hosting and I just didn't know if I was ready for that but obviously now having kids I understand how could you not yeah you know 
Um, so how did, how were you able to prioritize self-care and personal hobbies while being in charge of all of us? Well, I re I didn't really do a whole, whole lot for myself because all our time was consumed with youth. The three is, um, but that was fun in itself. We would go watch you play basketball. We would watch you play field hockey. We would watch football, wrestling. That was our entertainment. And we socialized with other parents. So I, I don't feel like we missed out on anything. Looking back, what advice would you give your younger self as a new stay-at-home mom? Like when you made that decision to stay at home, what do you think the advice you would give to your younger self would be? Don't worry so much. Sometimes I felt like I had a little bit of anxiety. And by the time I got to Robbie, I was so much more laid back. So I feel like, you know, it's okay if the day doesn't go perfect. I don't need to get upset about it. What are some of your favorite memories of being a stay-at-home mom? Okay, so this is... I would love to... I love to drive you kids places and have conversations when you would tell me about your day if you had a problem or you had a question about certain things that were going on and then when you started driving it was all over because <laughs> oh, I didn't okay. have those conversations with you or Allie or Robbie like I wasn't expecting that to happen and it happened with you and then, of course, then Allie, it happened to Allie, and then Robbie. And I was just like, I, I would say to Dad, I go, I miss those times when I was in the car having conversations, listening to what was going on in their life. Yeah. But when they started driving, I missed that. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense because, you know, you guys allowed us to have such an open conversation. Like, how did you... How did you make the balance of allowing us to have open conversation with you, but also keeping the status of mom? Well, first of all, if you're going to tell me something and you're going to tell me something in private, or if you have a problem about something, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to what you say. And if you're going to go to a party you're going to, you would always tell me, I'm going to go to this party. You know, I don't, you know, if something happens, you know, I just want to let you know that's where I'm going to be. And I wasn't going to say, no, you're not going to go to that party because you're going to sneak behind my back and go anyway. <laughs> so at least I knew where you were going. Yeah. I was just telling, I, I won't name any names, but one of my friends would use our house as their sleepover spot and you saw their mom and uh, you were like, they were like, wow, thank you so much for always letting my daughter stay at your house. We appreciate that you always have sleepovers. And you like came home and you're like, if, if I'm like, if, if these kids are staying at my house, you have to let me know, even though they were staying, they would just tell their moms that they were staying at our house. Right. And you still covered for them, even though like, you didn't even know what was happening. I wasn't even probably with this person. I think that they just like used our house as a, a scapegoat, I guess. But so in our family dynamic, Allie and I are about two and a half years apart. And then Robbie was born. A, I was 
11. You were 11. I was 11 and Allie was nine. Um, What made you guys decide to have that big of an age gap? Well, after I had Allie, after a couple years, dad's like, let's just have another one. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know, because I was home all the time. And I felt like you were, you guys were getting to an easier age. So I just kind of kept saying, I don't think so. And then I don't know what happened, but I guess because you kids were getting older and it was almost like you didn't really need me as much. So we kind of decided. And then like a couple years, because he wanted to have another one right away. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So after like two years, I'm like, I think we should have another one. And he's like, nope, that's it. We're done. (laughs) We got the three. Um, how do you think that your parenting style or approach differed between, I guess all three of us, but mainly I'm sure you could probably bunch Allie and I together and then Robbie is like probably very different. Well, I was definitely stricter with you and Allie and I feel like by the time Robbie came along, (laughs) I was over 40 years old, uh, and I was definitely laid more laid back with him, but also he was a boy, and he was kind of he was pretty laid back. Yeah, too. he's he's really laid back. Yeah, so like I remember one time, Cody Falber was babysitting him, and he was only like three or four years older than him, and you're like, why is Cody Falber babysitting Robbie? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I think they're you know they were okay. And Justin Coley, the same thing. Oh yeah. Um, they were boys and, you know, yeah, it is funny. Like when I look at, I obviously teaching high school and I see like 12 and 13 year olds and, and I had my, like my babysitter cards when oh, I think yeah, I was you like went, yeah. 12, maybe I had like CPR cert. I went through a whole babysitting course. I think you were in course. sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. And I used to get hired by like so many people. I would, that was all I, I babysat all the time and yeah. I, it's just very interesting because I feel like a lot of people's perspective now are like, oh my gosh, a six, like I would never, ha- they would never have a sixth grader come over and babysit their no, kids unless yeah. they were home. Yeah. But um, I babysat kids all the time. Yeah, you did. You, and people used to tell me how good you were. <laughs> and I, I remember I used to say to you, I go, once they get to bed, just straighten up the house yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that because, and every parent would come home and I would make sure that I would at least have all the dishes in the dishwasher and I yeah. would like clean up a little bit and they would be like, wait, why is the house clean? I don't, what? I didn't, you didn't have to do that. And I was like, no, I, like, yeah, I just said, just make sure it's straightened up a little bit. Cause it's nice if when you come in yeah. that if it's a little straightened up and Moving on to having two girls, how do you think that you dealt with body image and self-esteem as we were growing up? Do you feel like I complimented you girls a lot? Like if you were like going out with your friends and you had a nice pair of jeans on and a sweater, your hair looked nice. I felt like I always let you know that. But I always had, I always felt like I had three good meals a day and I didn't have a lot of junk around the house. But I felt like you guys kept in good shape because you were always active. Like you did field hockey, you did basketball, you swam, even though you didn't want to swim, you still swam. <laughs> and I felt like the two E's had athletic bodies. Looking back, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently or any advice you would 
give to parents who are struggling to help their daughters develop a positive self-image? I would just say, just compliment them. And if they're doing some, if they look pretty or if they look nice, just make sure you throw that in there. All right. So before we move on to being a grandmother, when I um, interviewed dad, I asked him if he had any regrets in specifically parenthood raising me. Um, And his biggest regret was that he didn't let me stay up for the MTV Music Awards. <laughs> uh, I remember I remember listening to that. Yeah. And I must have been out or something because yeah. I don't know. Remember... It was a Sunday night. It was Oh, so maybe I, okay, I was working. But is there anything that you can think of uh, raising us that you maybe wish you did differently or you would have redone? I don't think so. The only thing that I felt really bad about was... Robbie's senior year, the baseball team was in the state tournament. Oh, yeah. And he was so upset. He never really gave me a hard time, but we had to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say where. Yeah. I felt bad about that, but I really, there's nothing that comes to mind that I feel bad about or guilty about. All right. There might have been, but I, do, I can't recall anything. So what do you think that you were least prepared for in parenthood? Least prepared was having teenage girls. <laughs> I felt like you, the, we had a great relationship, and, but then I felt like once you got to be a teenager, it was like I would ask one of you to clean the bathroom, one of you to empty the dishwasher, and there was always talking back Mm -hmm. so that always always bothered me and then the other thing was lack of sleep Mm. yeah that was a big thing because I would be running with you kids all day and then I would get home and there would be things that I would have to do at home and I wouldn't be able to go to sleep until it was done it was just my my personality so I would be up till later than I should have been. Um, so lack of sleep, yeah. And what do you think, I, uh, I said to Dad, there really wasn't parenting styles when we were growing up, but what do you think your parenting style would be if you had one? I, I think I was an easier going parent um, because I was home with you kids so much that I didn't want to be a bad guy. I didn't want you thinking that I was a bad guy when we were spending all this time together. So I feel like I was definitely the easier one out of the two of us. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) And what's one piece of advice that you would give new parents or other parents? My one advice that I would give you is when your child is talking to you, look them in the eye. Mm Mm-hmm. So they know you're listening to what yeah. they're saying. Look them in the eye. That's good advice. Um, so I just kind of want to finish this up with a couple questions about being a grandmom, a.k.a. Mimi. Um, you guys never really, like, pushed us to have kids, and we just had kids, you know, when we were ready for them. But what do you think the most rewarding part of being a Mimi is so far? So 
okay, this is actually kind of part of fitness. I'm in good shape, so I can take these kids out. Mm -hmm. I can take them to a park. I can run around with them. Uh, I can have fun with them. I can do fun things with them. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm in good shape to be able to do fun things with them. And people used to tell me all the time, there's nothing like being a grandmother or as you said, I'm a Mimi. It is like the most wonderful feeling in the world. And these four grandkids, like there's not a bad one in the bunch. There really (laughs) isn't. And then the the four kids are so, they're trained so well to sleep, take their naps. So... You never mind watching them. Yeah, so um, I forgot because, you know, having a newborn is a blur, but we'll never forget. Um, There was the weekend in the summer in July. uh, My girlfriends were all going down the shore and I was we were trying to pick a date. Mark was working, of course, that weekend. And I asked you, do you think you can watch both of the kids? Parker was only like seven weeks old. And obviously Willow was like, you know, 18 months. And I called and I was like, do you think you can watch the kids overnight? I want to go down for all our girlfriends are all going to go down. And you were like, you know what? Um, Yeah, I'm watching Allie's kids too, though. And Max was only a couple weeks older than Parker and Carter had just turned three. Um, And I was like, are you? are you sure about that? And you're like, yeah, it'll be, it'll be totally fine. And I think that's definitely one thing that, um, Mark and I always talk about how lucky we are to have both sets of grandparents so involved. And like, you didn't even really think about it. You didn't say, let me think about it. Let me get back to you. You're just like, yeah, we're already watching Allie's kids. So just bring your kids over. And And we had it down to a T. The kids had a great time. One would, one of the baby, the babies slept in our room. One of the babies would wake up and I would change whoever was first, change it and make the bottle and give it to dad. Then I would wake the other one up, change that one and feed that one. And then they would both be back to sleep at the same time. And Carter and Willow were already in a good routine. So yeah. And I remember we had a party the next day, dad and I had a party the next day and we were fine. Yeah, I guess it's like if anyone has twins, you know, there's... Yeah, because that was definitely something I was nervous about, but... uh, But also, I feel like if I wasn't in such good shape... And the week before, we had just gotten back from Peru. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it was good. It was... It was. Yeah, when I told people about that, they're like, all the kids are at your parents' house? (laughs) Yep, they are. How do you think since Allie and I having kids has changed your relationship with us? So I do have to say, I remember telling dad last summer was such a good summer having you and Allie both off. I felt like we did a lot. Um, And I I just feel like with you two being moms, our conversations about the kids and um, I just feel like we have a great relationship. And then the summer before that, when we went down the shore, that was top of it all like you know it was great when we were all together in that house um you know you were down there all summer I got to see what your summers were like down the shore yeah Yeah. that was such a good summer and to have Willow um 
down there as well was just such, I mean, that was what, eight weeks down the shore eight that weeks we down were? The shore. Eight or it ten was, weeks. Yeah, because I, I was talking to Mark about that because um, Parker is not, he, Parker just turned 10 months and he, through the last like couple months, he's like, I don't remember Willow being, you're, you know, doing this or acting like that. And I was like, it's because I was down the shore with my <laughs> parents for that whole summer. And you were just down when you were, you know, when he was yeah. off, he was there. But day to day, he um, wasn't there. But that was such a yeah, good summer. Yeah, the last two summers, the, the summer down the shore was just the all time best. Mm-hmm. And then last summer with the two of you being on maternity leave, like, I was able to do stuff with you. Yeah. And the kids, it was just yeah, a lot of fun. definitely nice. And I I mean, it's just a different different uh, season of relationship, I guess, and, like, having the kids where it's, like, you know, like, tonight, maybe I wouldn't have asked you to come over to go see the peeps at Peddler's Village because, like, I don't know, maybe that's just not something that would have come to my mind. But, right. you know, it's... We might have went to, like, a bar and yeah. had a drink or something. But, you know, with the kids... It's different fun to do. All right. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to ask one final question. Looking back on your journey as mother and active woman, what advice would you give to other moms who are trying to balance their fitness goals and their busy lives? So I would say fitness definitely has to be a top priority with the exception of doing for your children making sure that they're happy, keeping the communication open. Um, Try to talk them into doing physical fitness um, areas. That's great advice, and I think that's so important. And I know that, especially like for me, with my kids being so young, the ebbs and flows of my fitness routine is – you know, right the last two weeks, I feel like I haven't really like been in a good routine, but, um, I know that'll change. Like yeah. I, I know that I'm, I'm still doing something most days, but then I'll go to like a couple weeks where I'm working out every day. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think it's so important to make that a top priority. All right. Thanks for joining us for this very special episode with my amazing mom. Thanks for coming on, mom. Thank you for having me. I hope you were inspired by her journey as a mother, runner, and a fitness enthusiast and gained valuable insights on how to prioritize health and wellness in your own life. Remember, it's never too late to start moving and taking care of yourself, no matter how busy or challenging life may seem. So keep pushing forward and let's continue to support each other on this journey towards a healthy, active lifestyle. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast for more amazing stories and insights from moms who are making it happen. And as always, you can follow me at the running wine mom underscore to find all the things fitness and motherhood with a side of wine. I hope everyone has a great week and I will see you next Tuesday. Thanks again, mom. Thanks for having me, Samantha. I love you. Love you too.